Well, anybody in here gone through a, a significant change in the last week, the last month? Anybody? few of you out there? A couple, let's, let's, just, just three of us have gone through a change. There we go. We've got some changes. A few of us are, are confessing. I'm not going to ask if it was a good change or a bad change. You know, we have both in life, don't we? We have some good changes and, and we have some not so good changes. Changes are a big deal. And they're always around us. As a matter of fact, it's almost kind of a cliche to say, boy, we live in a, in a changing world. And we always live in a changing world. It seems like probably the last 50 years that's been more true than at any other time in world history. And probably in the last year or two, we felt that a lot in America. Quite a few people have gone through some very negative changes with the housing like it is and the economy and certainly the job situation. Here in our church, we've seen a lot of change, moving from one address to another address, from one size church to, to quite another size church, and a host of changes that go with, with managing that. And then on a more personal level that makes us raise our hand, we go through changes in our finances, we go through changes in our health, we go through changes in our relationships. Tuesday's going to be a big change for the family. Changes always around us and change always evokes a lot of emotion you know there's the good changes and that that evokes excitement and joy and a and a real sense of opportunity and then there's there's negative changes that evoke anger and fear and sometimes jealousy but you know i i have found in my own life good changes and bad changes you know one emotion they both evoke insecurity Change gives us a sense of insecurity, even if it's a good change. Change implies that I'm moving from, from right here where I, I kind of have a grasp on things. I, I understand. I know what's happening. I kind of know what I'm doing. But I'm moving over to this situation. And, and over here, this is more represented by the unknown. I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's a place that has more questions than answers. Change can be very difficult even when it's good. Change can be very difficult when it's hard. And, and you know, it's in the midst of change that quite often we struggle with God. It's in the midst of the change that sometimes we don't blame it on the world or, or people around us. We, we kind of feel like maybe God's pulled the carpet out from under us. Sometimes it's in the midst of change that we wonder, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Are you God in the midst of that change? Handling change is very significant, certainly to our physical and emotional well-being, but learning to handle change is very significant to our, our spiritual well-being, our ability to walk with God and to hold on to God. I want you to look with me briefly this morning at a passage in Psalm 37. Psalm 37, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs under you, and if it's not right in front of you, you probably can point to it and somebody will hand it to you. But turn with me to Psalm 37, kind of right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter 37. It's a long psalm, 40 verses. We're just going to look at the first seven. Psalm 37, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says there, Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass, and they wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord, and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the man who carries out evil plans. Now read this psalm and you're thinking, well, this, this sounds more like dealing with enemies than it does change, doesn't it? But, but isn't, can't change kind of feel like an enemy sometimes? I mean, change, change steals from us. It steals what we know. It steals what we're secure with. It steals our security. Folks, whether we're dealing with change or whether we're dealing with enemies or, or just a world bearing down on us, God has a way for you to handle that. And He says it right there in those first couple of words. He says, don't be agitated. Don't be agitated. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't be fearful. I like one translation. Some of your texts may use this word. Don't fret. Don't fret. Don't fret. But, but, but Lord! No, 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 no. Don't fret. You have no right. Now imagine whatever you've ever dealt with in life. Imagine the Lord saying to you, you've got no right and you have no reason to fret. Well, yeah, yeah, I do, Lord. I got a lot of... But he's leaving me. But, but, but my finances. But my job. The Lord, my home. It's upside down. But my family. And we'll go through these things that they do make us fret. They do shake our lives. They do make us feel, feel like things are coming undone. And yet God says, no, don't fret. I am in control. And that's the only thing you need to understand. You know, folks, I think that maybe that simple statement is one of the most profound spiritual truths that we can ever get a hold of. God is in control. And you see, it's in the context of God being in control that he then comes to us and he makes the kind of statements that he does right here. It's because he's in control that he says in verse three, trust me. I know people around you. I know the situation and circumstances around you might say that I'm not around or that I don't know or that I don't care or that I can't do anything, but uh, -uh I'm in control. So trust me. Take delight in me. You know how easy it is for us to delight in everything but the Lord? We're delighted because this big change is about to happen. Or we put our hope and our delight in stopping the big change. We delight in people. We delight in things. We delight in everything. And God says, nah, -uh. put your delight in me. Make me your joy. Make me your excitement. Make me the thing that you're looking forward to and looking at the very most. It's because God's in control that he can say, commit your way. I mean, here we are. We've got a change in front of us. We've got a challenge in front of us. We've got a fear of failure and anxiety. And we've got to chart a path through that. I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to make this work, how I'm going to survive. I've got to chart this way. And God says, bring every bit of that to me. Give every bit of that to me. Let's talk through that. Commit your plan to me and let's work that out. And then he finally comes in verse 7, my favorite, and he says, be silent. Now, that's the nice, very biblical way of saying, shut up. Just, just, just shut up. Have you ever thought about how real that is right there? What do you do when you fret? 
You talk. You talk. You've got to tell someone or you've got to tell someone off. But you've got to talk. Now, I'm not going to say women are worse about this than men. I'm not, not going to say that. I didn't say that. But when we're fretting, that's what we do. I mean, somebody's attacked me, lied about me, hurt me. I've got this big challenge. I'm afraid. Wow, I didn't see that coming. And we're feeling overwhelmed. And so what do we got to do? And then we hang up, dial another number. Every person in this room's done it. You get bad news. Let me tell you what. You've talked to ten people before you've talked to God. And that's not funny, is it? You get bad news. You get an overwhelming change. And you go process it. You go deal with it with people who never have an answer. Before you ever think about going and talking about it with God. God says, don't fret. Hey, this psalm right here really ministered to me uh, real recently. Matter of fact, it was two weeks ago this past Wednesday. It was Wednesday, August 19th. I didn't know quite what the Lord was doing, but this just really ministered to me and, and, and cared for me. As a matter of fact, the Bible kind of gave me a, a, a one-two punch. Because I didn't start that morning. I was at home. It was in my, my quiet time, my time alone with the Lord. And I'd started off in Esther. And I'd read about the back half of Esther. And Esther's the, the story of God's sovereign control. God always working, even when we don't see it. As a matter of fact, kind of the unique thing about the book of Esther, Esther's the only book of the Bible that never mentions the name of God. There is no reference to God in the book of Esther. And yet, that's the lesson. When we don't see Him, when we can't hear Him, when we can't tell where He is, make no mistake, He is working not just in a big picture, He's working in every single detail. God's there. He's working. Well, there's a, a, a set of events going on in, in Esther that leads the king to issuing this decree that all the Jews in the land are to be annihilated. All the Jews are to be murdered. Now, I'm not Jewish, but I'm kind of trying to imagine here and guess that if I was Jewish and I was living in that land, I'd, I'd probably fret. Wouldn't you? If you just heard your death, or, your death order signed, I mean, that'd make you a little anxious. That'd make you a, a, a little bit worried. And yet, not only is God working in all of those events, but as the story unfolds, it completely turns around and the day that was to be for their destruction becomes a day of their victory and, and their prosperity. And the, the funny thing about it is God really does it in kind of a comical way. Folks, in the very worst moment, when it looks like there probably could obviously not even be a God if this was going on, make no mistake, God is absolutely in control and so it's in that context that he is working that he is good that he is in control that he can then reach into our lives reach into that situation and say trust me delight me in me commit to me shh shh just watch what i'm doing and that, that really ministered to me uh, uh, two weeks ago. It was a Wednesday morning and, and we were a day away from, from taking Mary Beth to college. Now, obviously, that's not an event that's about an enemy. It, it's a change. You know, something's happening. But it's not like I'm being attacked or hurting or fearful. But I'm, I'm fretting a little bit. You know, what's going to happen? What's this all going to mean? And, and the Lord just really used this psalm to minister to me. 
And I remember feeling as I as I got up from from sitting there and I left my quiet time to to go have breakfast and begin my day. I, mean, I thought, man, Lord, you just you just really knew what I needed. You were there. You met me. You served me. You took care of me. You provided in your word exactly what I needed that morning. And he did what I didn't quite realize that morning is that he was providing even not only for what I knew I needed, he was providing for me in something I didn't even know that I did needed. Something I didn't even know was coming. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something here, and this is, a, this is what you call a rough shift, okay? And so I'm, I'm stopping and I'm saying, time out, look, wake up, stop doodling. Uh, this is an announcement. It's not a joke. It's not a sermon illustration. I'm giving an announcement here. Had that time with the Lord, and it was, I don't know, three or four hours later, Wednesday morning, and Scott Perkins came into my office and told me that uh, he and Cindy were going to be leaving our church, that they were going to be taking a, a new ministry. Now, let that kind of absorb. Now, I'll tell you why I felt like God just really took care of me that morning is because when I heard those words, the first thing I heard God say in my ear is, I am in control. Now, after I got over hearing God, then I went over and took over myself. And I started having probably some of the same thoughts and, and questions that, that you have when you hear this. Where is Scott? Right there. We can all stare at him. Um, I started thinking, what? Why? How? How can you do that, man? Don't you know what's going on here? Don't you know how, how good it is here? And, and, and Scott began to tell a story, and, and the funny thing is, Scott wasn't two sentences into the story before I already knew where he was going, because I was there. I, I was there when God planted this seed in Scott. Some of you, a lot of you don't know the story. Some of you, a lot of the choir and orchestra know the story. Several years ago, uh, we hired a music associate by the name of, of Bill Perry, and Bill was from a church in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, a large church, runs five, 6,000 people in worship. It was a great, great church, one of the strongest churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and so Bill is considering, he was a music associate there, he's considering coming to work with us. And, you know, you wonder why would he leave where he is to come join us because at Hebron, it, that's a great church. People don't leave Hebron. People try to get to Hebron. People try to become a part of a place like that. And because that was so much the reality, uh, we asked him. We asked him in the morning. I, here's the question. What are you running from, Bill? I'm, I'm thinking, that, you know, okay, forget all that you can do and have been a part of. What are you running from? What are you hiding? Because nobody leaves that and bill kind of laughed and, and and he began to tell a story he said, well you know i'm not running i'm following i'm following god's call in my life and uh he began to tell that it, it he, you know bill was in his early 50s and he he wanted to start over but it wasn't just that he wanted to, to start over i even try one more church before i retire it's that he had a burden he felt like god had placed a burden on his life to find a place to find a church that was kind of on the same path, had the same philosophy and ministry as Hebron. He wanted to get a part of another great and growing church and be with them and, and be able to say, hey, you know what? I've been to this intersection. I've been through this change. I know what that's like and be able to, to share that experience. It's kind of like raising kids, you know? By the time you just start to get an idea of what you're doing, they're all gone. You know, the grandparents got all this wisdom. Well, that's kind of where he is. Man, I've been through all of these experiences with a, a fast-growing church, a great church. I want to be able to impart that with another church 
uh, before I finish up my ministry. And so we said, well, man, come on. And, and uh, one of the strangest things we've, I've ever been through in ministry, and, and Scott and I and our church went through, we hired him in January of 2005. In March of 2005, he was diagnosed with lymphoma, uh, life-threatening, terminal. Those words were never used. That was never the situation with Bill's, with Bill's cancer. And by, by July, he was dead. Uh, it was one of the strangest things. that you know, God, why would you do that? Why would you bring, us, bring him here and have us go through that? Why would you take Bill and Connie away from family and friends they'd spent their whole lives in ministry with and not have those people there to walk through that time with Bill? Strange situation. And now I'm wondering, did God bring Bill here just to plant that story in Scott? And if he did, then I've still got a problem with God in that whole situation. <laughs> but... Uh, Folks, Scott never got over that story. Never got over that concept, that idea of taking what had been given to him over a long ministry and having an opportunity to, to share that with another church and to walk with another church uh, through that. So in some respects, this announcement this morning uh, for Scott and Cindy is really four years in the making. September 27th, three Sundays from now, will be Scott and Cindy's last Sunday here at Colonial Heights Baptist. It's going to be a great Sunday. Scott's going to lead us through some of his favorite praise and worship songs and choir and orchestra numbers. And uh, he'll be sharing a little bit about what he's seen. He's a little bit unique on our staff and that he's got 20 years of experience here. He's going to be sharing a little bit about what he's seen here at Colonial Heights Baptist and uh, probably issue a word of challenge to us. He'll be telling us a little bit about where he's going and what he's going to be doing. And obviously three weeks away from now, there's time between now and then to also uh, get to learn a little bit more about that and choir and orchestra uh, this Tuesday night. You know, obviously there's going to have to be a rehearsal, but it'll be an abbreviated rehearsal. And uh, Scott is going to take time with you to tell you a little bit about what's been happening in his life, what's going on, and, and have a few. If you have some questions, uh, he'll, he'll be happy to field those then. So we'll be sharing a little bit in that time uh, uh, this Tuesday night. And then uh, October 11th, Two Sundays after that, Scott will begin his new ministry as the worship pastor at First Baptist of Roswell, New Mexico. A, a long way away, isn't it? Um, you know, it, go ahead and clap for them. <laughs> you know, I, I, as I've been praying through this and everything, you know, you look for signs. You know, God, do you know where I am? Do you know what I'm going through? And uh, you know, yesterday, Texas A&M, my alma mater, played the University of New Mexico. And uh, we beat them 41 to 6. <laughs> so uh, I told Scott, I'm still his favorite. So you go wherever you want. He still likes me better. But uh, he'll be starting there October 11th. And uh, this interesting church, church uh, 13, 14 months ago, uh, this church was running 200. And uh, just in the last year, they've gotten a, a new pastor. Uh, there and they're running about 300 350 uh, there now so the church is experiencing some very fast growth uh, they've got little to no music ministry is that right Scott and uh, Scott just as he understood this pastor and his vision and what was happening there at the the church felt like this was the kind of place that he could say you know what I've been here I've seen this this is a place we can we can pick up and, and go again so that's what uh, he and Cindy are going to be doing and, uh, you know, we're excited for him. I'm always excited. When somebody's following God, folks, that's exciting. 
And there's times when you're following God, you say, man, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would you do that? Why? You know what I'm doing? Because God said to. I, I, I'm following him. I'm doing what he said. And uh, you know what? There's two things I trust here. I trust God and I trust Scott. And so that's all I need to know. At least that's what I'm going to say. I don't always feel like that. And I trust God. I, sometimes I'm a little bit iffy on Scott. But... Uh, you know, folks, we, we, have a, we have a good, I think one of the best things, and y'all don't maybe enjoy and experience this, but I think one of the best things that we have here at Colonial Heights Baptist uh, is, is the relationships we have on our staff. We're, we're, we're a close staff. We're, we're a close family. We support each other and encourage each other and help each other. And uh, Scott and Cindy have been a very good and a very faithful part of that family uh, for two decades. It's a long time. And so this is a loss for us. I can say that. It's a loss for our staff. It's a loss to, to me personally. It's a loss to our church. But you know what? God's in control. I want to share something with you. Uh, you know, I talked about my quiet time on Wednesday, August 19th. I'd like to uh, share a little bit of what I wrote in my journal the next morning. Thursday, August 20th. Uh, this is kind of a big thing for me. I've been keeping a journal for, I don't know how long, probably 15 or 20 years. I've never shared my journal with anybody. I don't. I don't write it to be shared. Uh, I don't write it to be looked at. It's very private between me and the Lord, my prayers, my thoughts, my days, my Bible study. And uh, it's just between me and him where I process and work out life. But I want to read to you a little bit of of what I wrote that morning in my journal. Now, just to give you the context, and I think you've got it, but it's, it's Thursday morning. When I get done with this, we're going to hop in the car and take Mary Beth up to Virginia Tech. And obviously, just a few hours earlier, Scott has told me what, what he's doing. And so with that in mind, this is, what, this is a part of what I had journaled that morning. I said, I'm feeling a little shell-shocked this morning. What has me raw emotionally, of course, Mary Beth moving to, to Tech today. And think about what that means to our home. <clears throat> Excuse me. And to her life and how she will do. And just the change in our relationship with her. This event is rolling up on us and we know what's happening. But then I wonder if we really do. This event all by itself would have me pretty raw emotionally right now. But then Scott comes in yesterday and tells me he's leaving. So I have, I have and folks, isn't, isn't this just life? So I have one event that I've been preparing for and one I did not see coming. I realized both of these things, and this was important for me to realize, both of these things are very much a normal part of life and ministry. But they're first for me. Lord, would you protect, guide, and provide for our home? Would you protect, guide, and provide for our church? What is interesting about yesterday is the devotional I had. I read about half of, of uh, Esther which is teaching on God's sovereign control and work, even when we do not see him. He's orchestrating life events to protect his people and bring about his plans. Then I turned to Psalm 37, and it was about waiting on and trusting in the Lord. We're not to fret, not to be anxious, not to react in anger. And the reason God can call us to do that is because he is in control and he is at work. What a lesson to prepare me for yesterday and today and the events unfolding. God is, is so faithful. Lord, I worship you and praise you. You are great and awesome. This day is yours. And I am yours. Mary Beth is yours. Virginia Tech is yours. Colonial Heights Baptist is yours. 
Scott is yours. The music position is yours. It's all yours. I can rest in that it's all yours. It's your responsibility, and you do care, and you do have a plan. You are in control of all things. You have all wisdom and power. I love you and worship you, most high God. You are great and greatly to be praised. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for giving me what I needed that morning and today to walk through these events with you. Thank you for your care for Mary Beth. Thank you for what you're doing to lead and guide Scott. Thank you for the relationship I had with Scott, making that such an easy transition for me into my first senior pastorate. I thank you that you know what our church needs next. You know, folks, wherever you are in your uh, individual life and situations, wherever we are in our church, God's in control. And he can say, as bad as it looks, as out of control as it looks, as far as he appears, he can say, don't fret. Trust me. Commit your way to me. Shh. Just watch what I do. Does Colonial Heights Baptist have any right to doubt God's goodness and care for this church? Even as recent as this last week with our pageant. And I tell you folks, that was huge for me. Very few people were carrying the issues that we were having with our pageant and that Scott was leaving on the other side, all of this together. And, and, and when after working on this for six months, all of a sudden, right at the end, everything turns. And here again, God just said, Randy, I'm in total control. Just be quiet and just watch. It's true in your life. It's true in your family. It's true in this, earth, in this church. He's working. It will be awesome at what we see him do in Scott and Cindy and the First Baptist of Roswell. And it will be awesome at what we see him do here. It always is. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we trust you. And we entrust to you, Scott and Cindy. There are very few churches in this country, very, very precious few, that ever know what it is to have a minister invest two decades of his life in that place. And this church has that blessing. We've had that blessing of Scott and Cindy, their marriage, their, their kids, their family, his love and his passion for music. God, what he's taught us about worship. We thank you for that. We worship you for that. You provided that. That is from your good hand. God, you're doing a work in, in Roswell that you've required your servant. Scott can't say no. He can't say, but Lord, I, I, I've got this. He's a slave. And you're the master. And you have commanded him to move and to go. And we trust you with that, God. And we pray that his ministry is going to be great there. And that years down the road, they're going to be enjoying some of the same things you've allowed us to enjoy and experience right here. 
God, I entrust that uh, as we praise you for what Scott Perkin means to, to the history of 1989 to 2009 in Colonial Heights Baptist, that God, you're thinking about 2010 and beyond. And you've got a new chapter for us here, a new vision for worship and, and ministry of music. God, we can't wait to see how you're going to unfold that work. Because all you do is good. God, you've had your hand on this such church in such a powerful and clear and obvious way. God, as I think about these truths in Esther and, and Psalm 37, as I try to work them out in my life with, with family and work issues, God, I'm, I'm reminded of this thought. As a follower of Christ, is there ever really such thing as bad news? Because there's no news that is devoid of your work. Now, Lord, we miss that a lot because we don't trust you. We do not commit our way to you. We make up our own path, and sometimes it's a complete opposition to you. Not only do we fret, Lord, sometimes we don't process it with you at all. All we do is run around and cry and scream and yell and get angry and agitated and talk, 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 talk. We never give ourselves the opportunity to join you in what you're doing in that situation. So, Lord, as we're, as we're processing what Scott is doing, may we not miss what this mean, needs to mean in our lives. I pray nobody in this room misses that because we're all dealing with things. We're all dealing with change. We're all dealing with overwhelming issues. May this week... There be a profound discipline to trust, to delight, to commit, to be quiet and watch. Because you're in control. It's in your name we ask for this help. Amen.